0: We have a very special episode of Friday Rollin' on the BS Podcast today. This is one of my favorite episodes of the year, potentially. Anyway, it's brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Drop your old ticket app. Use one bill for 2017 and beyond. You can even do absolutely everything on your phone. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Sonos, the smart speaker system that streams all your favorite music to any room or every room. Control your music with one simple app. Fill your home with pure immersive sound. Add your existing music services or discover something new. Go to Sonos.com. Right now, we are brought to you by TheRinger.com. Go there this week. Find our year in 2016 pieces about best albums, best songs, best TV episodes, the best in sci-fi, and more. As well as big NBA pieces about Golden State's media, Horde, and life in OKC after Kevin Durant. Plus all of our kick-ass NFL coverage and pieces about J. Cole. And a lot, lot more about pop culture and tech. Oh, and we have Ringer Swag. What's a better holiday gift than Ringer Swag? I certainly can't think of anything. All right. Oh, one more thing. I was on the Breakfast Club this week in New York City. And... It was really fun I'd never been on that show before Charlemagne had been on my old TV show And then uh, I returned the favor That's on YouTube We talked about a whole bunch of stuff So if you like those guys And you probably like me Because you listen to this podcast I think you really like that one We went for 50 minutes It was lively uh, We talked about a whole bunch of things So thanks to them Shout out to The Breakfast Club Let's do it Alright, welcome. It is Friday morning. We're taping this at 8.45 a.m. Pacific Coast time. On the line first with Joe House and my dad coming up later, but on the line first from FS1 and Fox, Mike Lombardi. We're excited for this one because it's now the time of the season that we know who all the NFL contenders are. And I texted Mike last night and I asked him, why don't you figure out who the contenders are and figure out what their Goodfellas character comparison is? So he went into his bunker (laughs) and he's figured this out. But first of all, I should mention Goodfellas, an all-time classic. I'll never get over De Niro. De Niro did not get nominated for an Oscar. Did you know that?
1: No, I did not. Like I, I was just the scene in when he says, you know, they insulted him. You insulted him just a little, a little bit, bit, just little a little bit. bit, a little bit. That, to me, that's an Oscar winning <laughs> performance right there.
0: What about, I mean, there's so many subtle scenes with him, but like when he decides to whack Maury and Scor- <laughs> Scorsese has the slow motion and, and like after the Lufthansa, I can never say Lufthansa sight uh, heist. And he realizes he has to start whacking everybody who was involved. And he's kind of dark. He's looking around the bar in slow motion. His eyes are just like. De Niro said so much with his eyes in that movie. It's, a, it's probably my favorite De Niro performance. It really is. It's it, unbelievable. It, it's
1: better. For me, it's even better than Godfather 2's performance. I thought it was... Ins- I thought he was great in that. I really did. He played... He was playing De Niro. He really was. He, he
0: really... He was... Yeah, he was really... He let himself... That and Midnight Run were when De Niro's just like, I'm going to be myself <laughs> in these movies. So are you 100% Italian? 100%. I'm 50, but I'm like a strong 50. So, like the scene when... When they go to to bury the guy and they go back to uh, Joe Pesci's house and the mom wakes up and she makes them food at 4.30 in the morning, that's the most realistic scene in the whole movie. Because my Aunt Jen, who sadly finally passed away this year at like age 92, I could have gone to her house at any point of the day, any day, and just shown up and she would have cooked for me in four minutes. And that was, I thought, the most Italian part of that movie.
1: Yeah, there. I I would agree completely. Like there was never a time I would go to my grandmother's house and wouldn't get a full course meal at any time of the day, no matter when you wanted it, and it would just come out of nowhere, and you would wonder how this was so good. So they had. Yeah,
0: I, I, here are some of the gangster names. I don't know if you're covering these in in your contenders, but just let's give these shout outs now. Sally Balls, Nikki Eyes, Fat Andy. <laughs> Frankie the Wop, Freddy no Nose, Pete the Killer, Jimmy Two Times, and Johnny Roast Beef. These are all characters in Goodfellas.
1: Uh, and they're all real. I mean, Jimmy two times, because he says everything two times. Where the papers, where the papers. I, I, you know, you just love it. And I think when you nickname, so I was at a, I was at a function of a couple of years ago, and a guy was kept giving a toast, so I nicknamed him Joey the Toast. It was the perfect <laughs> Joey the name. Toast. That is Joey like, the Toast.
0: It is amazing with the Italians where somebody can get a nickname, and it's almost like, uh, <laughs> I, I can't even describe it. It's It's almost like how... The tribe, the Indian tribe names way back when, when it would be like, he makes fire. Like, the India, the Italians still do that in 2016. My favorite, though, is Freddie, is Frankie the Wap. Because when you're hanging around with Italians all the time, and the Wap, by the way, not like a totally flattery name, let's be honest, but the Italians no. can say it. But when you're so Italian that everybody else around you decides that your nickname should be Frankie the Wap, you're... Really hundred percent Italian right. at that
1: point. And in my hometown, like my father's a ninety year old barber, so he's barbershop Mike. Yeah, and Bar- then his barbershop best Mike. friend he's barbershop Mike. And then his best friend is is one of the old time shoemakers in the world, and his name is Doctor Shoe.
0: Doctor Shoe, I love it. So <laughs> you great. have
1: Doctor Shoe, and so it's just a it's a culture of people. It's 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 incredible.
0: So what give me your single favorite scene in Goodfellas. The the go to
1: is the Billy Bats scene with with De Niro? Yeah. I I could watch that a thousand times. When they're at the bar and 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 Ray Liotta's in there and Henry Hill and they're in there and no 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 you insulted him a little bit. The yeah. drinks are on the house and right. then he does it <laughs> emphatically and then he goes and yells and goes at your shine box. In fact, Sal Sal will text me randomly just go tell me do my shine box every now and then when he gets mad at me. <laughs>
0: well, it <laughs> it didn't totally work out for Billy Bats because he uh, he got. <clears throat> basically stomped to death. He was stabbed like 20 times. He got shot like 10 times. He had to drive around in the trunk of a car for nine hours. He got buried in the middle of Jersey. Uh, They had to unbury his body nine months later. So I would say that insult backfired about as much as any insult ever. My favorite scene is probably that, but I think the most underrated favorite scene for me is when uh, Henry, played by Ray Liotta, and he gets out of jail. And he sees his kids for the first time, what, in like five years? Yeah. And he goes, "Who wants to go to Uncle Polly's?" And and the kids go nuts. And Uncle Polly is just this scary fat mobster. <sighs> and for some reason, this was this was his treat for them. Not in, not the amusement park, but we're gonna go to Uncle Polly's.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. I but you know the thing is, you start talking. I love the scene cooking in the in in the um, in prison. And, and oh yeah, the guy that's actually doing the cooking. It owns Rayo's restaurant in Harlem. Oh, really? Which is the fam? Yeah, he's the guy doing the cooking. Frank, uh, Frank's his first name. I, I I don't remember his last. I think it's Pellegrini or something like that. But he was in the Sopranos. He played the FBI agent in the Sopranos that was always after Tony, the head of the FBI. Yeah. And he co- he's cooking over there, and he's cooking the steaks and not too many onions in the sauce, Paul. You know I don't like onions. <laughs> and 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 he's cooking the steaks and. And it's just, to me, it's the perfect scene. He's over there, and it's, they're in prison, and they look like they're at the Taj Mahal. They have all this food, and they got the bread coming out. It's really great.
0: So then we also you have know, we have the classic, uh, you think I'm funny, what's so funny? You have that whole scene, an um, all-timer. And then you have um, you have Henry crossing the street to beat up the preppies, another all-time classic. What do you think about the last 25 minutes, though, when it gets super cokey? Uh, and super you know, frantic, just, and I don't. Yeah. It doesn't hold up to the first seventy percent of the movie, in my opinion.
1: No, it's kind of because you know the end's coming, and and you yeah. know it's bad and you just want it you're trying to warn all the characters that it's going to be bad but they just they're so far down the road it's just it's it's kind of depressing the end of the movie is depressing you laugh it's like the sopranos you laugh all the way if you're italian you laugh at some of the stuff in the sopranos and then at the end the reality becomes depressing and i think that's right. what they're after they want you to experience the reality they don't want you to live in the laughter
0: and that was another classic scene when he shoots Spider in the, in the foot finally and then Spider tells him to go fuck himself and he gets shot a hundred <laughs> times. But it was so funny that Spider was played by the uh, Michael Imperioli, who then became eventually down the road, Christopher Moltisanti in The Sopranos. And for the people who were just all the way 100% in on really the, the Italian holy trinity of Goodfellas, The Sopranos and The Godfather... This was, it almost made your head explode. It was like crossing the beams where for years on The Sopranos, it was Spider. You just couldn't shake Spider. And then eventually right. he became Christopher. But for the first year, it was just really tough because I, I, I don't know. I, I And it was the same thing with, Lorraine Bracco because she's Henry's wife and Goodfellas, and then she's the therapist and The Sopranos. But I eventually you've figured out how to deal with it, I right? Guess.
1: And like one of my favorite characters of The Sopranos is Larry Boy Barisi, yeah, you know, and he always has good one lines, and he's the Tiki guy. He owns the Tiki Bar. It's a damn shame they're <laughs> blowing right? this place up, you know. And you don't even realize, like I couldn't get it out of it. His lines are great; they're classic.
0: All right, so you're gonna figure out. But in, and for the under thirties out there, I'm always surprised, especially with the Ringer staff because we have so many young people. I'm always shocked when somebody hasn't seen a movie that I just assume everyone's seen. But you realize, like as you get older, people have their own, generations have their own movies. But I think there's some can't miss. Like I really I can't even look you in the eye until you see this movie. Movies, and for right. me, Goodfellas is one of them. Like if you haven't seen Goodfellas and you know, you're the kind of person who loves sports, loves pop culture, would listen to this podcast, like all, all these different check marks. I, you have to see Goodfellas. It's just, it's, it's one of the. I would put it on the highest. Po- Tate, you've seen Goodfellas, right? Okay, thank God. Tate's, yeah, I wasn't worried about Tate, but there are there are probably a couple of people out there like, oh no, it came out in 1990. I, it's, it's in the all time pantheon,
1: all and it won't, and, and it won't date itself. It, no. It'll be still good the next time you watch it.
0: It won't. My date sons
1: itself. watch it. My sons love it. They're, they're 28 and 26. So
0: good. Um, all right, let's do the contenders. So, how many contenders did you come up with?
1: Well, I kind of went through your list. Let's just start out with last night. I, I gave Oakland Tommy DeVito. Okay. Now, you, you know, I thought Tommy DeVito was a guy. You know, as we know, he, he's played by Joe Pesci. Kind of volatile. I thought the Raiders are really a volatile team. And I think what we learned last night from the Raiders is if they don't make big plays offensively, they're going to have a hard time on it. They had 18 yards was the longest pass play. Cars' longest pass play against the Chiefs the other game was 24 yards. Now, you might say it's the pinky, but in reality, he didn't throw the ball well in the rain when they played him. He's played one game under 40 degrees in his career. That was at Kansas City last year, and he lost that. So, are the Raiders just a kind of a volatile, warm weather team? I kind of thought they were. And defensively, they played their best defense of the year yesterday. Yeah, I agree. They really did. And, and I know Tyreek Hill beat them, but I've been saying all along, Tyreek Hill is a better Percy Harvin. So it didn't surprise me. And kicking the ball to Tyreek Hill is not the smartest thing to do.
0: Well, you just described why they lost. Because, first of all, on a Thursday night game, to get the three-o turnover advantage and still lose is almost impossible. I, I don't know how many times this century somebody's had a three-o turnover advantage and lost. I'm sure it happens like maybe once a year. I mean, it's not something that happens very often, but um, to kick off to Tyreek Hill, especially after you screwed up, the for you had the penalty, you had the re-kick, the guys had just run 50 yards. Collinsworth called it. Collinsworth basically predicted that punt touchdown. <laughs> he was saying, yeah. like, this is dangerous. These guys are winded. I don't know how they kicked to him. He was the only guy in the field who could really hurt them in that game, especially with Macklin out. And uh, so that was one thing. And then, you know, they were driving at the end. They they had something going there. Uh, the fourth and one fade route, just every time – we did a thing on the ringer last week. We made fun of the fade route and how terrible it is and how stupid it is. And And they're the Raiders with the one seat on the line basically running the fade route. I don't get it.
1: Right. And and you know, the 4th and 1 again and they had they get the false start which is predictable in Kansas City. Yeah. They had 10 penalties in the game and you know, when you're always in shotgun and you don't have a lead blocker and it's 4th and 1 and that's my point about the Giants. I think sometimes you think the Giants are you know going to be able to to run the football and win in cold weather. I think weather's a factor. We saw it last night and it was clear it was clear that the Raiders even though they played their best on defense, when they can't be explosive and throw the ball over your head, the Chiefs were more than willing to let them run the ball. They were more than willing to play cover two, let them run the ball. The Mitchell, the corner, he'd been cut by four teams. He went out there and just played man to man and 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 had no problem with it. And they and they dominated the game in the sense that they couldn't. The Raiders couldn't play their style. It's Raiders a, had 18 third downs, which is way too many for the Raiders. They need about 12 third downs to win.
0: It's a bad loss, and yet. Not that bad of a loss because I think the Thursday night to have that game on a Thursday night is pretty rough, and you know the 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 road team, especially there, the bad weather, you get a great crowd, and uh, I don't know that that was a tough ask, but man, to get the three turnovers, the one thing I've noticed with the Raiders, and this would be my concern if I was them, it's third and six. I I need the the at that point I need Larry Fitzgerald, I need Julian Edelman or Gronk. You know, I got I need Dez. I who I Golden Tate. Who is their guy on third and six that's gonna get them the eight yard catch to keep the chains moving? Do you feel like they have that guy? No,
1: I think that's the problem, but they don't have an offense like that either. They're they're not a West Coast sticks offense. They're not gonna run Y option. They need a they probably need a better middle of the field tight end. They yeah. play... You know, and, and I think they need somebody to comp- control. Like, if you put Anquan Bolden on that team, it's it, not that he's fast or explosive, but he can win sometimes just because of his pure size, and it helps them control the football. But when you're in so much shotgun, it's hard, and they take some chances. I mean, Carr's going to take some chances. He sees man-to-man on the outside. He thinks his receivers are better, and he's going to throw it up there. And, you know, again, in weather, sometimes those are hard throws to make and hard throws to complete, and it looked like the Raiders' receivers... Had never caught a ball that was frozen like that. Now, they're 23rd in the league and drop passes, which is typically what they do. So they'll drop some passes on you. And last night, it really came to fruition. They dropped, I think they dropped over nine passes. And it's hard to run an offense like that. But look, you're not going to beat anybody with 117 yards passing. I don't care who you are. Well, I I take that back. Maybe you're Brock Osweiler and and you can do it. But other than that, you know, no one else can.
0: Shea Serrano wrote on the ringer this week he still thinks there's a chance for the brocketing. The awakening of Brock. I, I think there's no chance at all. So you think the Ra- I don't
1: think you. Dude, there's no way you could play Metallica music as loud as you possibly want, and there's no way Brock's waking up.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, so you think the Raiders are Joe Pesci? They're gonna They're gonna commit a couple murders. They got a lot of swagger, but they're gonna go into a room at some point and get whacked.
1: They're They're just gonna go. And yeah. and, and And staying on that theme, I think Denver's Billy Bats. Okay. I think Denver is going to insult some teams with their arrogance and their and they're uh they're happy that they've won the Super Bowl, but I think at the end of the day they're not going to be good enough offensively to beat anybody. And defensively I think they're just not going to be as strong as they were last year. They do miss Malik Jackson. And I think if you look at the final two minutes of the game against Kansas City or the final five minutes of the game against Kansas City move the ball down the field on them at home. Yeah. And that's got to concern you. So, so I I, I I think they play off each other.
0: Do you think? Do you have them in the playoffs at gunpoint right now?
1: You know, I do. I think Denver's going to get in there because I think what Denver has Tennessee this week, they'll, they'll yeah. add another win to their arsenal. They have Oakland at home, which, you know, I think they'll play Oakland well at home because I think Oakland—Kansas City has given the formula very clearly on how to play the Raiders. Yeah. Just let entice them to run the ball, make them run it, play really good, and don't give up big plays. And see if they can execute an offense consistently. And, I, and they'll move the ball on the Raiders' defense. The Raiders control the ball 36 minutes in the first game against Denver. I don't know if they can do that in Denver.
0: So you don't think Tennessee can beat Denver this weekend?
1: I don't. I just don't. I think Tennessee, every time they 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 don't seem to rise to the level of confidence. I thought, look, when you lose twice to Indy, you're going to have a hard time getting my support.
0: I agree. You know, it's crazy. Indy's favored by six this week over the Texans, but mostly based on the fact that they killed the Jets last week, and the Texans have lost three straight against non-AFC South teams. I don't see any scenario where any AFC South team should be favored by three points over any other AFC South team except well, for the Jaguars. I think it just shows
1: you how bad Brock Osweiler is. I mean, look, yeah. they, as bad as Indy's defense is, they don't think he can throw the ball against them.
0: You wouldn't. And put you know what? Tom Remember Savage? the game down
1: there. The, the game down there. Well, I think I think that's going to come at the end of the year. You're going to have to have a conversation with yourself if you're the Houston Texans. How much further? Because I think there's a lot of people like the, at the Ringer staff that think Osweiler has this magic switch. He's going to turn it on. It's never turned on. This is who he is. Now, this can, is who he is.
0: Can I make it very clear to you that there's only one person who thinks that, and it's Shea Serrano, who's a giant Houston <laughs> Texans fan, who's <laughs> trying to <laughs> who's will to himself believe that. Yeah, there's he's not the one Please believe me, there's not one other person in the Ringer staff who believes this. I think that we could see Tom Savage in the second quarter on Sunday because that is a game they have to win. And, you know, Bill O'Brien, I don't know. Say it's it's a tiny bit of a save the job situation for him, maybe especially like some big pride profile well, it's coaches it's definitely going to be here. a
1: save-the-job-for-him situation because he doesn't want to deal with the quarterback. I mean, look, we might have to have a commission meeting to organize a hit here, but <laughs> I'm sure secretly that there are people in Houston that they're hoping that Brock Osweiler has the same pinky injury that that uh, David Carr ended up having, and then we'll never see him again. Right, you know, then Savage comes in. I mean, like I used to say when I worked at the Raiders, we're a couple injuries away from having a good team. Yeah. Well, I think that's the way the Texans feel right now.
0: That, that's one of my favorite Lombardiisms. Uh Next <laughs> contender.
1: Well, my next, I'm going to, you mentioned Spider. I yeah. think that he's the Redskins. Annoying, wants to really be in the playoffs, but not quite good enough to get in. I like the it. Offense, you know, kind of like, you know, can probably cause some damage, but just not quite good enough. Like, you, I knew going out to Arizona was not going to be a good, good game for them.
0: Yeah, I, I, it I didn't. One, I, I thought they were going to win that one, and I thought they were—they felt like a six seed to me, one of those you know harmlessly kind of dangerous six seeds that stays in the game and then blows in the fourth quarter in round one. And that Arizona loss was terrible, and probably
1: yeah, they just well, it, it's matchups. It's like Indianapolis. Indianapolis stinks on defense, but the Texans are no good on offense. Well, Arizona's. Washington stinks on defense. Arizona's pretty good on offense. They got better and they made it and they scored enough points. And if you always have to rely on your offense to win games, there's going to be a time where you just can't, where this it just doesn't click. You drop passes, the execution, you get a tipped ball. It doesn't matter. So I think that's where the Redskins are. They're just not good enough on defense to really to, to go toe to toe. They're the Raiders without Khalil Mack.
0: I feel bad for David Johnson on the Cardinals because they're using him you know, at, at peak, 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 they, they're basically driving to Vegas with him and going 110 miles an hour and putting miles and all kinds of things on his engine. And it's for really no good. But they throw to him all the time. They hand the ball off to him all the time. Him, Le'Veon Bell, and uh, maybe McCoy to a lesser degree, and then obviously Zeke. That's been your top four running backs, but they're they're kind of wasting a great David Johnson season, is my point. Right. I like him. It's too bad. Let's
1: just stay it. So Karen Hill, Henry yeah. Hills—that's uh, Indianapolis. Volatile, <laughs> could 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 be very caring at times. You know, yeah. m- m- maternalistic, but it have a has a fatal has a fatal flaw, and that's their defense.
0: Yeah, and her fatal you flaw know? was her choice in men.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. and, and trusting in them all completely. So. You know, so that that to me is—and I think Indy makes the playoffs. I think they're the best of the worst in the South.
0: That is so incredible. I just can't believe it. That's why I'm hoping Tennessee beats Denver this week because Indy's so bad, and that GM does not deserve to make the playoffs with that terrible team he put together. But, God, I mean, their schedule, they catch the Jets on the perfect week right as they're quitting on Todd Bowles. They're in the worst possible division. It's just frustrating to me. And are they really going to get 16 games out of Frank Gore? How is that possible? They're, They're not. Get 16 They're games not. out of him.
1: But look, here's what we have to learn. Here's what we have to accept: the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Broncos are all making a living off of the South, the NFC and the AFC South. That's yeah. why their their win totals are so high. And once you figure out what conference is the weak conference in the league, and who's ever playing that conference. They've got a chance to make the playoffs. That's the key to figuring out wins in the, in this whole how many over-under wins there are, is what's the weak conference, who has them, and is, in fact, are they weak? Mm. And if you do that, which is what the West is, the West, I'm not saying none of the West teams are good. I'm, I'm 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 not saying that. I think Kansas City's a good team. I think I think Denver's a good team, and I think Oakland's a good team. But I think their win totals are higher than they should be because they're playing the South.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely think this is one of those years that would be great for my rule. That if you can't go over five hundred, you can't make the playoffs. Like,
1: I, I, I don't agree. It, I, I agree. I think you should. You got to You got to win. You have to be a good enough. Like you, it almost as you shouldn't make the playoffs if you get more points than you score. Like I don't know how you do that. <laughs> That'd be
0: good, but, too. Yeah, but,
1: but I mean, we have a president. We have a president who's who's in the White House with with less votes than the one who didn't get him. But that's true. a whole other conversation.
0: So that that then the Colts make perfect sense. But yeah, I think eight <laughs> and eight, seven and nine, seven eight and one. You you just can't get in. You can get in if you're eight seven and one. You have to be like a shade over five hundred to make it, or it goes to, you know, whoever has the best record who didn't make it. All right, who's the next contender?
1: I'm going to give that, okay. Let's let's start. I'm going to try to hit the final four here. Jimmy Conway to me are the other are Patriots. Mm, Smart, I like organized, it. stays alive. You know, th- yeah, stay alive. You know, always has always has to figured out a way to work an angle. They have some flaws. Clearly, the flaws on defense now without Gronk. But to me, they're Jimmy Conway. You, you just can't ever underestimate them.
0: And when you make a plan, plan met shift, just adjust. All right, now I'm going to do right. this. Up oh, the, right. the everyone from the heist is starting to buy stuff. I'm killing all of them. Right? Uh, oh, Henry Hill is starting to his way. He's starting to do coke again. Uh, I got to get. I got to get rid of his wife. Come on over here. No, no, come this way. No, no, I got some dresses. No, no, go. Keep going. It's right around the corner. The Belichick would definitely do that. He would have taken right, it out and, Lorraine Bracco.
1: And then, then, if you want to stay on that theme, then I think Seattle's Henry Hill.
0: I oh, think Seattle. I like it.
1: Uh, I think Seattle's Henry Hill. You know, look really good one day, come into New England and win the game, and then look like you've just done two days of Coke and go into Tampa and lose. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Let's take the Buffalo game if you're Seattle. Play bad, find a way to win, mentally tough, kind of hang in there, have enough angles. And then my final one is, to me, the one team that I think is probably, that's Paulie, is the Dallas Cowboys. And I, really? I can't I, I'm not I'm,
0: expecting that one. Wow, Paulie.
1: Pauly, because okay. they're very quiet, with a lot of power, a lot of authority. Don't say a lot. This a cowboy team doesn't really talk very much. Yeah, but yet they have a big stick.
0: So you, I can't tell who. Then who's the favorite? Then so I would say Jimmy Conway is the favorite in the movies. So that means you, I would you're say still Pauly the, the and Jimmy
1: Conway. I would say Paulie and Jimmy Conway. That's who I like the most.
0: Okay. Janice de Gumar doesn't get any. any uh, uh, Janice
1: the Gumar is Houston. Uh, they're my Houston Texans. <laughs> <laughs> I have Houston. And, and you mentioned Jimmy two times. I have them as Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has okay. two teams. Pittsburgh yeah. can go to Miami and lose, and then they can beat the Giants at home, or they can kill Kansas City at home. There's Jimmy. They're, they're Jimmy two times.
0: That's hilarious. I, I don't. I, I officially never know what to expect with the Steelers game anymore. They're playing in Buffalo this get, week.
1: I, you don't know. I don't know. But I, you're going to get it two times. You're going to get it once <laughs> against Miami. You might get it once against Buffalo.
0: Is there any loser leaves town uh, games this week that you're looking at? Like if, if so-and-so loses, I'm crossing them off, they're out. A team that we might have thought is a playoff team. I think otherwise. if Tennessee
1: loses, if Tennessee loses, you got to cross them out.
0: Okay. All right.
1: I think if Tennessee loses, you have to cross them out. And I think, look, the Ravens, I, I, I don't have a team for the Ravens. I don't have a character for the Ravens because I don't really know who they are. I mean, I think the Ravens are really good. I've been saying that. I think the Ravens and Pittsburgh, they're both probably, Jimmy, two times because the Ravens lose to the Jets at home. They lost to the Giants. Uh, lost to the Jets up there. They lost to the Giants. They were 0 for New York, New York. And yet they're, to me, one of the better teams. Can you imagine they beat the, the Jets, will beat them? and the Giants beat the Ravens, and yet I'm talking about the Ravens like they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Plus, we know Flacco plays way better in December than he does in September. Oh,
0: you didn't have Baltimore. So Baltimore mm. just didn't fit for anybody.
1: It didn't fit. I couldn't really get a character. I was going to make him Frankie, but he died too early in the show.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, I don't know who that would be. You're right. So, ba- and, and that's kind of fitting, actually, because I don't know what to make of Baltimore anyway. But... Man, it's hard to believe we couldn't come up with one for them.
1: We'll, we'll think, have to save it for once we get through the Miami, once we get through the New England game this week, we'll have it. We'll, we'll narrow it down, and we'll be able to continue on this.
0: The only, only other one I'd add that I think you missed. I thought you did a great job. I'm really proud of you. Uh, the one you missed though is Maury is the Giants. He's
1: <laughs> it's so classic. He's, he's, That's he's, right. They have the bad hairpiece, don't they?
0: They they have the bad <laughs> hairpiece, which is Ben McAdoo. <laughs> They have a fatal flaw, which is... The, uh, you're the,
1: completely right, because I've called the Giants a Ponzi scheme this yeah. entire year. There's no numbers to support anything they're doing.
0: They're trying, to, they're trying to get paid, and they haven't done anything. Their fatal flaw is Maury was complaining, when are we going to get when are we get paid, When to we get paid? The Giants' fatal flaw is just they're prisoners of Odell, which you've been talking about on TV this week. I 100% agree. You cannot let your Diva receiver run your team, which is... What he's been doing, basically. We've Belli- seen this movie before. We've it's seen good it a million times. all over. We saw, it, 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 he's yeah. to duplicated. It really is. And w- and people forget that to in two thousand four when they made the Super Bowl was not doing that stuff and got right. actually hurt six weeks before the Super Bowl or whenever it was and then rehab back, but was on his best behavior that whole season. Much like Moss was on his best behavior in 05 was the year that to turned into to again.
1: Right, and he's doing the sit-ups at the uh, uh, while everybody was watching him.
0: Odell, Odell, they just can't. Contri- I mean, that's not their biggest. They have so many other problems than Odell, but I, I think it's a symptom, and it's a lot like Maury just won't shut the hell up. All right, Mike Lombardi, that was fun. I'm glad yeah, we did and that. listen
1: to and listen to our podcast, Make Me Smarter Football. We gave you a shout out this week, Bill. Oh, we're lo- loving you up.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. You and you were on you were on with Whitlock for a full hour yesterday. I was jealous. Yeah,
1: Whitlock. I, I said, I'm hosting. I, I substitute hosted for Colony was out. It was great. I got to talk to Whitlock and see if we can get some things straightened out.
0: Wow, he, that that guy's a tough guy to get straightened out. <laughs> Say, give him a nice, give a nice big hug for me. Uh, all all right, right, Bill. Mike Lombardi, thank you. Bye bye. All right, Joe House is on the line, but first I wanted to give a big fat shout out to Simply Safe. If you want to protect your home this winter, then have a seat, take a breath, listen up. Right now, Simply Safe Home Security is having its biggest deal ever. Protect your home, save big, get $200 off their exclusive holiday package. You heard me. $200! With Simply Safe, you don't have to worry about burglars casing your house. You don't have to worry about weird noises at 3 a.m. Tate hears weird noises all the time at 3 a.m. Simply Safe protects your family with 24 7 professional security monitoring, enough sensors to defend your entire home. You get professional monitoring for just 15 bucks a month. That's less than half of what the other guys charge. And by having it, you can save up to 20% on your home insurance. Try Simply Safe right now, 24 7 security, $200 off today, right now. Simply Safe, BS.com. Go now, the sale ends soon. Simply Safe with two eyes. Again, Simply Safe BS.com and Joe House. Um, let's talk about yeah. wine. Let's talk about wine quickly. Our wives love wine. They love wine. <laughs> they love whining about us and they love wine. And that's why I'm so glad we signed them up for Wink. It's a personalized wine membership that recommends wine specifically for us based on the results of our palate profile quiz. What a great idea for a holiday gift! Wink works directly with winemakers and growers from all over the world to create delicious wine and deliver it right to our doors. Their 100% satisfaction guarantee means if you don't like a bottle they send you, they'll replace it with a bottle you'll love. No questions asked. So sign up for Wink right now. Gain immediate insider access to the best fine wine from all over the world. Find out why me and House and thousands of other satisfied wine lovers are raving about Wink right now. Wink is offering my listeners... $20 off plus complimentary shipping. If you go to trywink.com slash BS, that's W I N C with the wink. So trywink.com slash BS. What a great holiday gift again. Trywink.com. Slash B.S. House, is your wife going to drink some wine over the holidays, maybe?
2: Yeah, I, I'll tell you one thing that's not happening. She's not returning any bottles. All the <laughs> bottles that hit our house are getting drunk. She's, she's. I mean, you said whining about wine, whining about us while while drinking wine. It's a double wine in my house most nights of the week. Weekends, we take a little easy, but, you know. That's a great new B.S. sponsor. Happy yeah. to have him on board. And yeah. um, Joe House will be taking... Advantage.
0: So I was in New York City this week. It was cold and yeah, rainy. Cold. It's cold, rainy. Um, Trump has paralyzed Midtown. They have streets shut down. Cops everywhere. Uh, it's amazing. All the New Yorkers are mad because they have to pay for all these cops every day. So that was really fun. I went to the Knicks-Cavs game on Wednesday night, which I was super excited about. I had forgotten yeah. that. Yeah. I forgotten that LeBron and the team had a chip on its shoulder because of Phil Jackson. The game was yeah. over in about five minutes. Uh, yeah. I got to see poor Zingas, who, uh-huh. you know, fell in, fell in love with him right away. Seven foot three Dirk, basically, very impressed. I liked how yeah. he ran. I, you know, I love when I go to these games. I like seeing how the guys run. I think you can learn a yeah. lot, like what their longevity might be. And he reminds me of Dirk in that. He's got kind of an odd body. He's taller than he should be, but he, and and he's not like the fastest guy in the world, but he moves fluidly. You know, when you watch like Yao Ming, Greg Oden, Andrew Bynum, some other guys where you just, you'd watch them run. Andrew Bogut's like this. You watch them run up and down the court and you're like, Ooh, uh, that's not, that's not, that's a guy not built for a 20 year NBA career with that running gait or whatever. I didn't feel that way about Porzingis and, his release is ridiculous. He's very long, and he's a little gangster, which comes across on TV. But there's a couple times when, when he got super physical, and uh, I don't know. I just felt like he's got a little gangster in him, which I liked. I, I'm a huge fan. Congratulations, Knicks fan. Seriously, all sar- no, no sarcasm whatsoever. Congratulations, that guy is that guy's a gem. Anyway, I had to say that. So
2: Yeah, funny coincidence. The only almost bullets game that I've attended live in person this season was against the Knicks. And I caught uh, the zinger on the road on the second half of a back-to-back game. And so I caught him at what I would, you know, describe as kind of his worst, right? He didn't have a very good shooting night. He didn't have good energy. He wasn't at home, so the, the home crowd was not propelling him. Because yeah. he definitely has that swag, that that gangster Latvian gangbanger.
0: Yeah, the Latvian
2: gangbanger. It, it's in the flow uh, up at the Garden. So in Washington, he did not have a good game. He had a bad shooting night, but. I strongly, vigorously co-sign your observation on how he moves. I really was impressed by his lateral movement on defense, which was the thing that I expressed great skepticism about when the Knicks selected him and when we were watching him in Summer League and he was committing 11 fouls a game. Um, He's really been... uh, uh, kind of a, a, a transcendent talent, and the funny thing is, the Knicks have to figure out what the f they're going to do. I like very much. I don't recall whether which writer of yours wrote it. Now is the time to trade Mello.
0: I know. But now unfortunately, is the time to trade I, Mello. I think he'd be gone if he didn't have a no trade clause. They're in a weird. They're in a weird point right now for two reasons. One is that the East is terrible, and you know. Charlotte's the third best. Charlotte and Boston, I think, have the third best records in the East right now. Neither of them have played that well. You just go down the list, and it's like, which one of these teams do you like? And you don't really like any of them. And even Cleveland's not playing that well. I think Chicago might be the only semi dark horse just because of Wade and Butler, and they have some pieces and some trade possibilities. But the Knicks are a team. They're, they should go one way or the other, but it all really depends on Melo. And they can't do anything about Melo, and I think every Knicks fan would would be happy if the Knicks just said, you know what, this is Porzingis' team now. He's the guy who has to get shots. We got to run everything through him, all that stuff, and they just can't do it yet because Carmelo's there. Um,
2: I well, and the curious thing they, they chose a, a direction. They were very deliberate this season in going out and acquiring you know Rose and and, and Joe Noah, um, who's and, and so who, they they clearly uh, the intend to be in the playoffs.
0: Joe Noah in person. Did you see him? Did he play in the game you went to?
2: Yeah. Speaking of guys that don't look good moving.
0: Speaking of guys (laughs) who don't look good running. Yeah, there was... Remember remember, uh, back when we used to play pickup basketball, but we were older? When you know how to play the one speed you can play, you can still run fast and you can still get to spots, but maybe there's a turnover or something and the guy gets ahead of you and you got to run a little bit faster than you want to try to catch up. (laughs) And after you and do it, it's fly. like, and that's when you blow out your Achilles, blow out a knee, like you pull something. Oh, uh, I. You, you know exactly I what thought I'm talking were
2: about. you going somewhere right? else. No. Yeah, but I mean, he, that, that's my all fuck it moment. I mean, right. Oh, he's ahead of me. Yeah, fuck it.
0: Right. And eventually, as an old guy, you learn to just say, oh, fuck it. But there's that yeah. little stretch where you're like, "No, no, I'm going to get him," but you're not quite the same guy anymore. And then after yeah, the play's yeah. over, you're like, so that happened to Noah and there was a timeout right after and he like hobbled back to the bench. And I was like, "Oh man, that uh, is one of the uh, old guy signs yeah. right there. He's definitely Right. He's definitely a step slow. It definitely makes no sense for them to not play Porzingis at the 5. He's he's I mean, if God created a stretch 5, it would be Porzingis everything you would want yeah. from a stretch five you protect the rim on one end and stretch the four on the other end so that trade i think was bad for them the i i would rather have robin lopez in the noah spot and i would rather they just had spent the Derek rose money on somebody else or traded for a one-year point guard or whatever on the other hand like they look terrible without rose against the Cavs. like they really do kind of need his for lack of a better word one-man offense Um,
2: I'm surprised that Brandon Jennings hasn't been better. I thought he was going to really make a difference for them. I
0: I think that coming back from that
2: Achilles
0: doesn't look the same. But uh, I will say with the Knicks, the other thing I thought was really interesting, I don't want to make too much of it. It was just the one game I went to. It might have been the crowd. You know when you introduce the last guy and the crowd really rises to the occasion for the last guy? Like, oh, that's our guy. This is, you know. Even if you don't 100 percent feel that way, you still make noise and you're loud. Yeah, didn't didn't really get that for Carmelo. Porzingis got the biggest ovation. It's Porzingis' team. They just need to address it's it a and team. yeah, they need to really embrace it and realize it. I, and the other thing I noticed because they would run the they run the triangle apparently with the second unit, which uh, okay, and Porzingis was out there, and they came out of a timeout. They gave, they made it seem like they were going to run a little three for Porzingis at the top of the key, and then he gave up the ball. Like it was like a screen and roll where it was going to be a a three for him, but then he 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 kind of cut down so he could post up. So it was like a delayed triangle post up, and all of a sudden he's five feet from the basket. He's seven foot three. I don't know, man. That guy, I am not happy that that guy's in my division. I will, I will say that. I do think there's a. I do think the Boogie Cousins trade bandwagon is, is starting to mobilize. Oh my. Yeah.
2: Involving the Knicks.
0: No, I just think, I think, I think we're in range now of some things are going to happen soon, especially like on December 15th, you can start trading people that got signed in the summer for the most part. And I do think, I do think things are going to happen. I think the Celtics have a really big decision to make on Boogie and, I don't know what that this what what the right and wrong decision is. Do you do you roll the dice with a guy and hope that he was just in the wrong situation, or do you hold off and say we're not going to win the title anyway? And the Warriors are nobody's winning the title this year except for the Golden State Warriors, unless Cleveland can get their shit together. Nobody else is beating that okay, team. And
2: Cleveland can get their shit together. Yeah, Cleveland they totally can, get can. together. Of course
3: they can.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think San Antonio is quick enough. With their guards to hang with them, even if Kawhi goes to another level, I, I don't, I don't see it. If if I think Golden State has some flaws, but it, it doesn't matter. And the way they move the ball offensively, that Clippers game was an eye opening game because they didn't shoot the ball well, and they still had did the thing where they have thirty <laughs> assists and they get layups. The and
2: way the ball moves, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, we we. All last season was really a Steph gusher. Like you and yes. I would get on the phone on Fridays because it was it was such a revelation. It was you know we'd been treated to this, the previous season, um, you know the the emergence of uh, of Steph as world beater, and then last season was like you know every week he's he's defying the expectations. And Clay, and, too. And Clay, Clay was in
0: there, too. Because Clay would have a sure, game like you sure. had the other night. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while.
2: Well, and, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Clay. You and I were on the phone maybe three weeks ago, two and a half. You were worried about Clay. You were expressing concern. Where's Clay? How's Clay going to fit into this? I think they figured out how to fit Clay in. But the point I wanted to make uh, is that now now it's... the. The Warriors still deserve um, the crazy accolades because it's such a it's a brand of basketball that that we haven't seen in in you know really since the early '90s. Oh, I, late '80s, mid '80s, yeah,
0: the it's, '80s, it's, '80s, it's, 80s, it's, '80s, right? Yeah, it's a shout out to the Lakers and the Souths and Magic and Bird. Right, the, the extra That's pass. Yeah, the extra pass, <laughs> the ball swinging around seven times instead of two. And it also puts a big spotlight on how bad some of the other offenses are, and how limited they are, and and the the one man show offenses, and a team like Oklahoma City that, as as we both predicted, you know Oklahoma City's better than I think people thought because they play so hard and Westbrook's been so good, and but still ugly to watch. It, it's his athleticism is. Well, don't tell
2: me about ugly.
0: Well, I, yeah. I, I
2: live in a city with with the the ugliest basketball, ugliest professional basketball.
0: It was so hard to predict. I mean, who could have saw it coming? <laughs> who could have saw Bradley Beal's injury problems this season and uh, just a lack of cohesion? And I well, so you wouldn't trade John Wall yet?
2: No, he's the only guy I I I, I would pay to see. That's the problem that I have. What if I, I understand gave you, the conundrum.
0: What if I gave you Isaiah Thomas in my 2018 Brooklyn pick?
2: The problem with any trade um, that that comes to this front office is I have absolutely no confidence whatsoever that the franchise will do the right thing in terms of uh, uh, selecting picks, identifying proper talent <laughs> right. that, that is... Uh, cohesive you use the word cohesive that actually kind of fits now the really curious thing is Washington has three little nice pieces uh Otto Porter's emergence is is, yeah. is you know who nice. knew? it's a good thing you know and and Beal and Wall like that's something you can kind of build around what is incredible breathtaking is how bad the rest of the team is yeah they have six players they have six nba caliber players on this team and it's not because of anything other than poor team building they let four guys go last year that um you know were were replacement level players and replaced them with you know i don't what what's what's 10 times worse than replacement level (laughs) Uh, whatever that is crap basement players yeah yeah.
0: So you didn't like their moves this summer, is what you're telling us? Not the big. bench is, is a historically bad. Would you do the Markeef Morris trade again?
2: Sure, sure. That was a reasonable thing to do under the circumstances. That that pick, that thirteenth pick is the Greek that's uh, you know sitting on the bench or still in Greece, maybe he's on the beach right now. Do you think I mean, a, you know, Do you think anyone
0: listening to this podcast, none of whom care about the wizards, realize that um <laughs> <laughs> No, but do you think they realize that Marcus Thornton, Trey Burke, Tomas Sadoransky, Andrew Nicholson, and Jason Smith are all playing for your team in a rotation.
2: It 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 feels like there was a plane crash and we had to go get, you know, <laughs> players from a whole bunch of other other, you know, <laughs> assemble a team. It's like an expansion team.
4: Yeah.
0: Well, the good news is there's a I mean, guy. I don't named, need to
2: make a joke about plane crashes or anything. Oh, stop but it! Don't get all
0: PC on us. Stop it.
2: All right, I'm just saying. You get what I'm. You get the point I'm making.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a guy but named House anyway. on your team, though.
2: Yes, he he hurt his wrist, so he's not playing. But, but I, he had, played I played am one still game. Working on my House jersey. He played a yeah, minute. Yeah, no, I know. He's good. <laughs> Club Trillion.
0: Tate likes Club him. Trillion for House. Have you listened to Tate and, and Titus doing the teed up college basketball? I haven't podcast? had a
2: chance yet. I'm, I've deliberately put that off because you know I don't really start engaging in college basketball till Christmas, mm. so when I can really start watching the games. Um, but I'm 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 very excited to listen to to those two helps. Ho-
0: so. It looks like it's going to be a really good um, top shelf talent college basketball season. I I good. love watching UCLA, even though I, I thought Lonzo was a little disappointing in Kentucky. I was all ready to call him the next Jason Kidd, but I don't think he's defensively. What kid was like even in college? The offense, the way he sees the court, the way he moves the ball—all of it's there. He's going to be a really fun pro. Um, I'd like to see oh. him be a, a two-way guy like kid was. The uh, the faults is the guy. Jarks on the ringer has been pushing pushing uh, faults pretty hard, and he's at Washington. Okay. His teammates are terrible. He's he can basically do everything. He's he's a little Westbrooky is is the best way I'd describe him but 66 six. and uh I want to watch more of him because I think he's going to end up being the number 1 pick unless Jason Tatum just kicks everybody's ass. What do you think? You like Jason Tate? Tate's a hard guy to ask cuz he no. hates Duke. No, I like. Duke. you even like J- even oh, Tate yeah. even Tate appreciates Jason Tatum. So there's okay. good guys in Kyle Chobe so I'm All right, we got to the Callaway Par 3. Why don't you tell the listeners really quickly in less than 15 seconds about Callaway?
2: Holiday season, let it snow, birdies, give the gift of forgiveness with the big birth of Fusion, Callaway's most forgiving driver ever, or let a loved one unwrap explosive distance with a set of brand new steelhead irons. The full list of holiday ideas is at callawaygolf.com. Go on there, order something for a loved one, and enter in promo code HOUSE. Free shipping with the promo code HOUSE, callawaygolf.com.
0: That was like 23 seconds. You you and Shat did a podcast for the ringer where uh where you just you were so excited about Tiger you just had to do a podcast. And I
2: gave him all ace. We did a grading. It's so I sad. Mean, I gave him you guys a are a so sad. Also.
0: It's really terrible. <laughs> d- Who's sad? I he, how many double bogeys did Tiger have? Like six?
2: Uh six, yeah. So <laughs> Great.
0: What? what a comeback. Did you
2: see him play? Oh my god.
0: What do you mean? Ba- let me bounce my son on my lap, and we can talk about Tiger. Uh, Dude, that's fine. The
2: bar was don't keel over. He played four rounds. He shot a sixty effing five on Friday.
0: Yeah, what place? He did was he awesome. Okay, who cares? He uh, played. He played all four rounds. Okay. I could care less. All right, so that's the bar. If that's did. our bar, that's fine. If that we're happy that Tiger played four consecutive rounds of golf and didn't shoot an eighty. That's where we are?
2: And led the field in birdies, buddy. He and the guy who won the tournament had the same number of of, uh, birdies.
0: (laughs) Except for, it's too bad about all those double bogeys. I bet the guy who won the tournament (laughs) didn't have six double bogeys. Yeah, well, he hasn't
2: played competitive golf in 466 days.
0: I have my guard up. Pretty good showing. Can I just have my guard up?
2: Go ahead, that's fine. I'm
0: gonna keep my guard up. You don't up. want
2: to be disappointed again. I understand. I don't want it. to be hurt.
0: no. It's not disappointed. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt again. <laughs> my feelings get hurt again.
2: Speaking of not gonna hurt you.
0: Speaking of feelings getting hurt, we did bad on the on Callaway Par Three last week, and I don't want to talk about it. We're just moving on. I, although I will say, I promise you, we wouldn't have put Carolina in the Cara, in the Callaway Par Three if we knew that Cam Newton was gonna get to. Uh, Get basically shut out for the first series because of some dubious dress code violation. Whatever that happened there, that was bad luck on our yeah. part. I, I think I in a perfect world, I think they go into Seattle and do some stuff, and that obviously derailed them. We had the we had yeah. Washington last week in Arizona, which I would a pick that I would probably make again. And then who did you take in your on your side?
2: I took you know I took the Falcons, and Maddie Ice decided to give. The Kansas City, I mean, uh, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs to eight points. He personally gave them eight points, and then Kansas City also scored a touchdown on a fake punt. So you know, Kansas City scoring the way that Kansas City scores, yeah. and and uh, Atlanta couldn't keep up with them. They lost by a point. I mean, that you know, that was the most Kansas City way for the Chiefs to win. I didn't know Matty Ice was was due for one of his. Oh, oh, here, hello, my friends. So I have some points for you. Here they are.
0: Yeah. I was scared of that bitter. game because I, I I'm scared I'm just scared of the Chiefs in general. I thought the line was too high, but um, well,
2: what? they've now demonstrated that they what what a force they are to be reckoned with. That that they the three wins they've had, you know, yeah. going Denver, Atlanta, yeah, and Oakland. That is an impressive run right there. It's
0: all leading to Andy screwing all of us on some teas in week fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen. <laughs> just ready. This is what he does. So why don't you go so first? True. What's your pick?
2: I'm taking Denver. Uh there there is still some question about who's gonna play quarterback, every although the prevailing sentiment among the media that I've observed this morning is um Simeon's playing. And Denver last at the the line I saw was Denver getting one it's at st- Tennessee. Still the line. Yeah, yeah. So that I I love that line. I love Denver getting points. Uh I know that, that there's a lot of pent-up um, demand for Tennessee to kind of get over the hump. Um, this, to me, is a, is a show-me game for them. They have not performed well as a favorite this season, 1-3 and three against the spread, and they haven't been up to the task against better competition. They're 0-2 against the Colts, and this is in their own division. They haven't beat the Colts or the Texans, and they're only two of their six wins this season against teams with winning records, so... I don't. In a way, I almost don't care who Denver's quarterback is. They're a step up in class for Tennessee, and and the idea of of Denver at anything less than a field goal, I'm in. So I, I like Denver.
0: I think that's the right pick. I'm. I was going to take the Ravens plus seven in New England on Monday night because I think that line is insane. And if anyone anyone out there who doesn't think that this game is going to be a bloodbath and very close and one of those cold weather comes down in the fourth quarter 17 to 14, 20 to 17. Baltimore loves playing the Pats. They're very confident. Their defense is good. And I think the Pats can win. I I'm, I'm just looking at the inefficiency of the line. 7 points is too high. And without without Amendola and without Gronkowski, it's really hard for the Pats to make plays. Like they they the big play moment for them, especially against the Ravens, a team that doesn't really give up big plays. They're just going to have to move the ball and they're going to have to have these 12, 13, 14, 15 yard drives. And, uh, I think it's going to be tough. I I think it's a tough game and Baltimore needs it. And, uh, and I like the way they played. I thought Baltimore was going to beat Miami last week. They killed Miami last week. And, uh, and I I think they're a legitimate contender. Um, I don't know if they're as good as Dallas. I don't think they're as good as the Pats or KC, but I think they're good enough to go into New England on a Monday night and think they can win the game. So I'm not. They ta- always
2: think they can win the game when they play New England.
0: Yeah. So with that, with all that said, I'm not taking them because I don't want to pick against the Pats. So I'm gonna. There's another game I really like. I I believe in Tampa. I think Tampa is a very very solid borderline playoff team that's kind of coming into its own at the right time. They're home. They got New Orleans coming in division rival uh, New Orleans they laid a, laid a nice little poop bomb last week they're kind of up and down I think, think it seems like teams the right kind of teams have figured out what to do against them defensively and uh, I just believe in Tampa and I think this is I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not but this is kind of a game of the year type thing for them. That even if they don't make the playoffs, they can look back at this and be like, "Oh, remember that stretch when we up, ripped off all those wins and we beat Seattle home, be, beat New Orleans at home? We have all this stuff to build on." And I just I like the spot for them. They're only laying three. It feels like that's a half point too low. I thought that line would be three and a half or four. So I'm taking Tampa. And then for for the one we agree on, where, we're, where there's in, in the words of Fred Durst, some agreeance. The Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night.
2: Yeah. With all due apologies to the cuz.
0: Yeah. Sorry, cuz. But I like this. (laughs) If this line was four or under, I liked it. Right now it's three and a half. No JPP. The Giants are a mess. It was a very soft eight and three. They looked awful last week against Pittsburgh. Eli in particular looked awful. Their running backs are probably the worst set of running backs in the league. Just slow. They can't make any plays. They don't really make any plays, screen passes, all that stuff. They rely on Odell way too much. When that game slipped away from them last week, they did, Eli just started throwing to Odell all the time. Defensively, they have a couple guys who can make plays. They just lost one. But uh, I thought their defense looked pretty good against Pittsburgh last week. It was the offense that I just don't think... Is 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 good enough to stay on the field? And with Dallas, you have to stay on the field offensively because if you don't, Dallas is going to have the ball for thirty eight minutes. And uh, I I actually think I, I actually think Dallas can win this game by by you know fifteen twenty points something like that. I think they're going to dominate the Giants.
2: The scary thing is we are in in real agreement real agreement on this. I, I think Dallas is going to roll. Since week seven, your observation about the Giants on offense, since week seven, the Giants, and this is uh, straight out of Mr. Clark's column this week, the Giants are 30th in the NFL in total offense. The only team's worse in offense since week seven, the L.A. Rams and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I love that Lombardi calls them the Ponzi scheme of the NFL because the numbers don't add up. I mean, he, he, he's right. The Giants were outclassed last week by Pittsburgh, and they are, again, going up against a team that is top-notch, class. That six-game winning streak was all smoke and mirrors. The, the teams that they beat uh, have a collective 23-42 and 42 record. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations. Um, I think the Giants are – I really do think that the, the – uh, Washington, New York Giants' last game of the season is going to be for a playoff berth for a, for a like a nine and seven kind of team. Mm. So, that's what, I mean, I think that's what how, how the, the direction this is headed in.
0: There's one other wrinkle to this game. I love Dallas anyway, but if Green Bay somehow beats Seattle at home, which is it's a Dallas is Sunday night, the Green Bay Seattle is at four twenty five. Dallas can basically. Finish off the NFC by winning this Giants game, and and pretty much lock down a one seed. I, I think the only team at that point that could mess with them is, is amazingly, the Lions. You know that would be the one team that that <laughs> not
2: not amazingly. You and Sal made a best at the beginning of the season. There's nothing amazing about it. You you guys uh, you I crowned know. their ass.
0: I know. We did. We did have the Tampa over and the Oakland over. So i I. I feel oh, good. We're going to use that money to pay off the more the house <laughs> mortgages we put on the Lions, but uh, Dallas basically would wrap up everything in that scenario. I don't know what to expect against Green Bay and Seattle. I think Seattle is Jekyll and Hyde, and I'm not sold on Green Bay whatsoever. It's amazing that they're right. they're getting three points in a must-win game at Lambeau well, against a team that they've Why? Played why is some that amazing? No, you, it's just that we're we here. we the season. I know, but that and we're there's here. nothing
2: about Lambeau that, you know, the Colts went into Lambeau and beat the crap out of it for you, Bay. I know. I'm the just Colts.
0: Crazy that we got to this point, that this is going to be a cold December Lambeau must-win Packers game. It's like exactly the spot you'd want to be in if you're the Packers, and they're getting three points. That's an indictment on And you. they're
2: getting points. Yeah, I,
0: you're right. Hey, before we go, who do you like in... What probably is the worst football game of this month? The Jets at San Francisco. San Francisco laying three. I
2: I, I, I can't believe. I, I remain. It, it's it's been four days since since Monday night. I still can't believe the Jets no show. I, oh, I mean, it's God. too early in the season for no shows.
0: Are you I, talking I about last week? You know, last Monday. This yeah. Monday, they quit on Bunny yeah, Colvin. Yeah, Monday. Bunny Colvin. <laughs> they That's quit. Not since it's, Amsterdam quit on Bunny Colvin did anyone quit on Bunny Colvin like the Jets did. Wow! I
2: mean, a, a, a week thirteen quit job though on Monday night like that's that's a real fu. You know what I mean? Like, hey, everybody, watch this.
0: Bunny Colvin's taken enough so, hits.
2: <laughs> I can't, I can't back the Jets anymore. I have them in our wins pool, and I don't think they're going to win anymore.
0: Let's name this. We have the Callaway par three. Let's name this another gimmick that we'll do for the last four weeks. The Callaway duff of the week or the Callaway triple bogey of the week. Or the <laughs> yeah, Callaway I, mean, I just call it the
2: Tiger double bogey.
0: The, the Callaway I just broke my iron because it hit a rock game of the week. I I like the Niners. I, Bryce Petty. I like the Niners, too. I watched the fourth quarter of the Colts game because I was in a hotel room waiting for the NBA highlights to come on. And Bryce Petty threw yeah. the worst pass I've seen in like four years. <laughs> he, it was an out pass to a cornerback that was you, sprinting toward intercepting it. And it was just so horrible. And
2: I, You must have missed all of Paxton Lynch's performance then.
0: He's pretty bad. Great he's facial pretty, hair, He though. missed all
2: four of his deep. <laughs> anyway, I, I interrupted you.
0: Isn't it isn't it crazy though? Like Dallas was trying to get Paxton Lynch and they kind of just stumble into Dak Prescott who's a million times better and and now is their probably their number one reason that they could make the Super Bowl. And
2: so it feels so unfair that that Jerry Jones just need luck. Jerry Jones of all people stumbled into this this unbelievable good luck. Why can't good luck happen here in Washington? I never my team's never stumbled into any good luck.
0: The good thing was that it led to Andrew Luck's post-game interview with the ESPN guys, the Jets-Colts game, uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the with Hasselbeck. Oh, this guy, Matt Hasselbeck. I mean, he's it was, it was just quite, like, incredible seven minutes of luck. I really enjoyed it, Joe House. Hey, we will, we will talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Look forward to it. All right, see you, buddy. All right, we have one more guest. We're going to call my dad to talk about the Chris Sale trade, which is probably the biggest trade the Red Sox have made in a couple years. But let's talk about a perfect mattress that's sold directly to consumers. Let's talk about an award-winning sleep surface developed in-house with a sleek design, delivered in a small, how-do-they-do-that-size box. Let's talk about Casper mattresses. They combine springy latex and supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, it's breathable design. Sleep's cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. Mattresses can often cost well over 1500 bucks, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin, 750 for a full, 850 for a queen, 950 for a king. They will deliver your mattress to you risk-free. Try it for 100 days. If you're not happy, they'll pick it back up. Find out why so many people love Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to Casper.com slash BS and using code BS. Terms and conditions apply. Casper.com slash BS. All right, we're calling my dad. All right, on the line right now, my dad, he turned 69 years old in November and has not lost the capacity to be flabbergasted by any gigantic Red Sox trade, but he liked this one. Dad, you like the Chris Sale trade.
3: Well, first of all, I'm not giving my age out, so thanks a lot. I just did. Uh, I love love the Chris Sale trade. Um, You know, it's funny. I was having lunch with a friend that very day, And we were talking about Sale going to the Washington Nationals and with their pitching staff, what a difference that would make. I never even thought that the Red Sox were in on Sale. I don't know about you, but it was really a complete surprise. I love the guy. I I mean, I, I compare him to the American League version of Kershaw and the Dodgers. And I don't know how many times you and I over the years have talked about how the Red Sox overvalue some of their top prospects obviously Benintendi, Betts you know uh, Bogarts—they all those guys turned out very well great as a matter of fact but think of think of some of the other guys that we've overvalued uh, that we were unwilling to trade Kelly, Marte, Ronaldo Owens, Johnson I mean the list goes on and on so to get a pitcher like this for two guys that you know, Kopech, I don't know how he's going to turn out. Will he be the next Nolan Ryan, or is he going to flame out like Casey Kelly? And you and I were really down on Moncada. I mean, he couldn't hit a breaking ball for the life of him.
0: You were more uh, down on him than I was, just for the record.
3: Well, I was down on him, and and he, he's, a, he's a horrific defensive player. I mean, <laughs> I think his future was going to be as a, as a uh, designated hitter. I mean, he... he he has the build of uh, one of those huge Cuban guys that's going to be a power hitter if he learns to hit the breaking ball. But
0: they didn't wow, give you, up anybody. You, 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 you just know, wrote didn't... off the number one prospect in baseball. I just want to well, point I, that I'm out. Well, I'm not a big fan of his. <laughs> Maybe they brought him uh, all up too early.
3: Th- all along I thought in order to get sale they're going to have to give up Betts or Benintendi. Or, I mean, didn't you think that we'd have to give up one of the guys who really like on a current roster it was a lot to a guy like
0: that it was a lot to give up and really they had they had three A-plus prospects Ben and Tende they couldn't trade after what we witnessed during the season I I just think you can't trade that guy and then Moncada and and uh, Kopich who's probably an A not an A-plus but um, I didn't think they would put both in the trade I was surprised by that and the reason I was surprised was because we've won 3 World Series already. We won in 04, we won in 07 and won in 2013. Part of me was like, you know what? It's I really liked the team last year. I liked having a young team, a guys, some guys with potential, some guys hitting their early primes and I liked the thought of just, oh, here's some more young guys and this is we're basically going to be the AL version of the Cubs if this plays out a certain way. And now it's flipped. And now it's like we're going for a World Series these next three years, and which is great. And I would have loved it in 2003. My, my fear is that we didn't totally need to do this in 2016. With all of that said, though, I agree with you. I couldn't even remember. I remember Tony Armas Jr. I was trying to think. I was talking to somebody on Wednesday night like who we gave up for Pedro. And I was like, yeah, those two pitchers we gave up for Pedro. It was Tony Armas Jr. I couldn't even remember the other one. It was Carl Pavano. At the time, Favano, it, yeah, yeah. At the time, it, was like, oh, was, my God.
3: who is going to be a number one starter for us in a couple of years. So, I and mean, Kovacic only had, uh, you know, th- there's not a lot of data on him. You know, and he, again, he, he certainly is a flamethrower. How many of those flamethrowers end up with arm trouble later? You know, well, you he's only 20 years old. You know my role.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know it from being in that crazy American League only a uh, fantasy league that I'm in where we have the minor league draft and everybody slowly realized every season we did it that the everyday guys were the guys that you wanted to keep and the pitchers were the one you would try to trade because, you know, Tommy John surgery, guy flames out, right. guy gets back, you just never know. And even like when the Red Sox traded for Gonzalez, I guess five years ago, whenever that was, and it was Casey Kelly and Anthony Rizzo were the two right. big guys in the trade. Casey Kelly was like Copech, like the, this can't miss pitcher and was never heard from again. And then Rizzo eventually turned out to be the guy, but had to go to a second team to go. My thing is, if if one of them pans out, you're still okay with it because you get sale for three years at least. They'll probably have to redo his deal before the third year. You got to give up right. something to get something. The fear is that two of the guys will pan out. And then if like yeah. three of them pan out, then it's like, oh man, why'd we do that? You know. But it's like poker; you're playing the odds.
3: Right. You know it, when I, their pitching staff is interesting. They and we had this discussion after the uh, playoffs when they didn't move, when they got swept by the Indians. Yeah. Parcella a really nice number two or number three. I know he won the Cy Young, but the year before. You look at his stats, next year it's unlikely he's going to have the same kind of season, but I love him as a two or a three. Price, at right now, is probably a great two or a three. We didn't have that number one stud. There's only a half dozen of them out there in baseball.
0: Right, and, we didn't and have And now Kluber. we have
3: one of the half dozen.
0: Yeah, Kluber, mm-hmm. Kluber comes in game two in that series and just wipes us out.
3: Yeah, I mean, Kluber is a stud. Um, Kershaw is a stud. Uh, maybe Price three years ago was a stud. But I love our top three pitchers. And I still think, you know, all, everybody's chatting there's going to be a move they make. They have maybe they move one of the other pitchers and restock with a couple of uh, seven know, minor starters. Leaguers. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think they're finished. Um I, again, I love the trade. There's something they didn't do that I wish they had done, which was uh, spend a little money and sign in signing Encarnacion to be your designated hitter. I would have liked that if he would have taken three years. Yeah, uh, but it's not going to happen. They you, didn't like Mitch, you didn't
0: like Mitch. You didn't like Mitch Moreland for one year.
3: No, no, not at all. I, I, I'm glad that he's a good defensive first baseman.
0: Um, I had him on. They, I had him on my fantasy team the last two years. He he does have a tendency to to be terrible for a while, and then all of a sudden he starts cranking out two for fours and three for fours and three for fives and four homers in a week. And he's one of those guys. It's a little like what but Nap- know, Napoli was like. you know what the like. plan
3: is though. They're going to platoon him. They're going to only uh he's only going to face righties cuz he's a uh, left on the he's a lefty obviously yeah that's what Texas. he's only going to face righties yeah and he's going to play first base and Hanley will DH and when there's a lefty you won't see Moreland. you'll see Hanley at first base and somebody else will DH but you know we're going to lose a lot of power in the middle of that lineup with Ortiz gone
0: I right? know maybe Ortiz I, will come back I
3: would have back. Preferred to have I, I, you know pay a little luxury tax. I mean, they sell out every, almost every game. It's the highest price ticket in baseball. Yeah. And, uh, they should have gone after and cross and kind and
0: maybe sell some but more Fenway park back. bricks.
3: <laughs> really? I would have bought one. I, I like, but it, again, I, you and I, we, we see these number one pros, Ronaldo, you know, is going to be the next great pitcher coming in here. And, uh, Doing
0: nothing. Uh, I'm with that. I think you're, you're I think right, you're though. you're more down on Moncada than you should be, though. I just think he didn't look that good when he came up. I, I didn't take anything away from it. He's so freaking fast, and I think he's going to be good on the White Sox. He's got another Cuban guy there, and I, I don't know. I I I think it's a great trade for him. I was happy for him. I liked him when he came up. the The guy that I would have traded. Well, first two things. One is that the Pomeranz trade.
3: The one that's going to haunt
0: them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that the pitcher they gave up in the Pomerantz trade maybe could have been the pitcher in this trade instead of copage' because I really think that probably point. would have been uh, enough. So they, that it yeah. makes me, it makes me a little nervous that Dombrowski whiffed on that one. But right. so that was one thing. The other thing is, I I thought they were going to use Jackie Bradley in uh in one of these trades because they have Intendi they have bets. One, one of them could right. play center, either of them. Bradley is is great if you're not watching him day in and day out, as you know. Did you think he was ever well, going to get a hit in the White Sox series?
3: Well, it's funny. We don't always agree, but 100%, I 100% agree with you on this one. I would have loved to have seen the trade be Kopich and Bradley.
0: Um, instead but of Makeda. Uh, oh, I yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah, no crash. I mean, I mean that's a no brainer.
3: I mean that that Bradley uh is he had one stretch a, a streaky stretch last year and he was he had that like 20 plus game hitting streak and then he was terrible. He was terrible before the stretch, he was terrible after the stretch. Yeah. And like you just said seeing him come up in the playoffs, did you did you think he was even going to hit
0: the ball? Right, and, and the the va- the value for him is that he's just an extraordinary defensive player and he's a great teammate and he's got speed and he's going to have the stretches where he hits. But the reason I thought we would trade him is because we have guys who can play that position at almost, you know, at at close to the same level defensively. Betts turned into an unbelievable right fielder, but he would also be a really good center fielder. Um, And I, I just thought, and it made me wonder, like the pirates are shopping McCutcheon right? and it made me wonder if, that could be the last piece of this, if Dombrowski... Now, here's the other thing. Let me throw this out at you. Because I agree with you on baseball prospects. You never know. But if, like, Danny Ainge did... did, If Dave Dombrowski took over the Celtics, our Brooklyn picks, every pick we have and Marcus Smart would be gone in, like, a week. We'd just be done. We would just have this team that was going for the title the next three years. And that would drive us crazy if they did that in the NBA. So why doesn't it bother us for baseball?
3: Well, would it drive us crazy? Wasn't that the Garnett trade? And, yeah. and we had a four, We had what turned out to be a four-year window. Uh, are we regretting that Garnett trade? I'm not regretting it. I mean, it's too hard to win a championship. Right. Um, if they win the championship next year... You know, the other thing about this team is they're always going to have money to spend. So they're True. always going to be able to bring in free agents. And yeah, yeah. You give up a Kopich, but they're going to be able to go out in two or three years and pay for another stud. They have money. How but, much? Um,
0: how much did you love that? Uh, Chris Sale has the best ERA against the Yankees of any pitcher, like ever.
3: Believe me, I noticed it. It's not just the Yankees against last year. He was six and zero, and an ERA below two against the teams in the American League East. Yeah. Um, so. You know, he's not afraid. He loves Fenway Park. He's he's had quite a few quotes after the trade about loving, loving. you know. Keep in mind, he was pitching in a stadium that was half full all year long. Yeah. Um, with a terrible team. He comes to, and he said he loves coming to Fenway because every seat is taken. The people are rabid fans for the home team. Uh, I think he's going to eat it up. Uh, all right. I, I, my dad I, I approves. Think, Thumbs up. My, I, well, you have to give up something to get something. Did they give up too much? I guess we'll find out in the next three or four years.
0: All right, we have to go. But before we do, on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about the Ravens on Monday night?
3: <laughs> about an eight.
0: Yeah, I'm like an yeah, eight. And ha- an I'm eight. like an eight and a half.
3: Yeah, they they always play us so tough. Uh, Harbaugh seems to get under Belichick's skin a little bit. Um, even when Flacco seems to be having an iffy season, for some reason he always plays seemingly more often than not. He plays well against us, and they have some receivers. They have three really good receivers and a good tight end. And our defensive secondary really scares me. So, yeah, I'm a little worried.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you I, too. I'm I'm worried. I the line is too high which scares me Uh, the fact that people don't seem to realize that losing Gronkowski and Amadola is a really really rough one and that you know now you're basically going to war with Edelman and Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell and Bennett and the two running backs coming out of the backfield and
3: the two running backs yeah
0: that's the thing maybe this is the game where they and, and, and Brady and Brady but you know 39 year old Brady cold weather game starting to hit the dregs of the season, that part worries me too. I think this is the game that they break out the two running backs in the shotgun. Lewis going one way and White going the other way, and they start doing that stuff. This will be the game.
3: Last two and a half games, it was obvious his knee was bothering him. They took him off the injury report. He'll be a little more more mobile. Even though I'm an eight or an eight and a half worried, I still think we're going to win the game, but I think it's going to be a real close game.
0: I agree. It's it's going to be a slugfest. All right. Dad, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon.
3: Always a pleasure. I, I, um, I see that your Los Angeles Rams, Los Angeles Lakers, and Los Angeles Clippers are doing so well. I, I, That's and, and the Kings. Totally uncalled I'm for. I'm glad you have nobody to root for out there.
0: It's uncalled for. It's uncalled for. Okay. I have DirecTV. I'll talk, talk to you later. later. All right, bye. Bye. Okay, thanks to House and Lombardi and my dad. Thanks to Sonos, the great speaker system that streams all your favorite music to any room or every room. Control your music with one simple app. Fill your home with pure immersive sound. Add your existing music services or discover something new. Go to Sonos.com right now. Thank you to Simply Safe. Save $200 after exclusive holiday package. Full-on burglar protection. 17 sensors. Wireless connection. 24-7 home security. Keep your home safe. Get your $200 off today. Go to SimplySafeBS.com. Simply Safe with two eyes. Thanks to Geek. Thanks to TheRinger.com. Thanks to PearlJam.com. Remember, PJ25 happening right now. are in the middle of it. Go to PearlJam.com for more details. Have a great weekend. Play us out, Eddie.